Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Sam Explaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host. I'll be Sam Explaining the Science. But today, actually, I'm not Sam Explaining Science. I'm Sam Explaining Sam. I'm taking a few of your questions from Instagram and we're going to do a Q&A slash AMA slash meet the podcaster. 20 episodes in, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> Let's get into it. Whoa, 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 weekend edition. <laughs> hey everyone, how are you? I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're having a lovely weekend, if you're listening to this on the weekend. Um, if not, I hope you're having a lovely week. Cover all my bases there. Um, personally, I have been better. I got hit by COVID pretty bad this week, so I was out of commission for a couple days. It was like... 36 hours of the worst flu I've ever had, and now I just have this like gnarly cough going on. Um, but I'm on the mend, and hopefully I'll be back to 100% very soon. Quick shout out to science and vaccines and boosters for a relatively mild case and a relatively quick turnaround, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, stay safe out there, guys. It's still, still a pandemic. Believe it or not. Um, but yeah, episode 20, we're here. I am taking this week's episode to introduce myself. After 20 weeks of Sam splaining, you get to finally meet the Sam that does the splaining. Um, that makes total logical sense. I got a few questions that a few people submitted through Instagram. Um, but first, I wanted to give sort of like a introduction by me, uh, get like an about me spiel out of the way before I get into those questions. Um, so yeah, my name is Sam. Uh, I'm the second of four kids in my family and I grew up on Long Island in New York. As a kid, I wasn't really good at sports or like instruments or singing or like anything that required talent <laughs> but I always loved school because I was really good at school um I especially loved math and science like those were my best subjects so I was always like very into like studying and I was a big nerd um and when I was in high school my 11th grade math teacher told me that I should think about becoming an engineer and I was like huh okay, thanks. <laughs> like when the kid opened the avocado, <laughs> thanks. Um, but on the inside, I was like, no. <laughs> At that time, I had wanted to be a doctor. Um, my favorite show was Scrubs. And I was just like, I know that being a doctor is nothing like Scrubs. But for some reason, I was just like, oh my god, obsessed with the idea of being a doctor. Um, but I also had no clue what engineers even did. So when she suggested being an engineer, I was like, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, I really did want to be a doctor. And specifically, I wanted to be a radiologist because it was around the same time that I discovered my interest for medical imaging. When I was in like 10th or 11th grade, I sprained my knee and I needed to get an MRI. So I went to like 
the MRI imaging center, whatever. And the technician put my knee in like this little magnet thing. And then 30 minutes later, they had a picture of all of like the ligaments and tendons inside of my knee. And I was like, hold on a second. How the hell do you put me in a magnet and then tell me what the inside of my leg looks like? Like, how does that work? That was craziness to me. I just needed to know like the secrets. I needed to know the witchcraft behind MRIs. I was fascinated. I thought it was so cool. And um, I just thought like, wow, I would love to use this technology every day. I was like so amazed by it. I was like, I want to do this. I want to be a radiologist. Um, so from then on, my plan was to like go to medical school and become a radiologist. Um, but then when I was applying for colleges, I knew I wanted to be pre-med. So I was doing some like biology type major. And then when I was scrolling through the list of majors, I saw biomedical engineering. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. My 11th grade math teacher told me I should study engineering. Um... And I liked my 11th grade math teacher and I liked math. So I thought like, okay, maybe even though I don't know exactly what engineers do, maybe I'll take her word for it and I'll study engineering anyway. And I figured having no idea what biomedical engineering meant, it had the biomedical, right? That's got to be helpful for medical school. And then it has the engineering, which I associated with my math teacher and I liked math. So I thought, okay, let's try to combine them. Let's do both. I'll take a stab at it, a shot in the dark. We'll do biomedical engineering without really knowing what it is. Um, so I went to college. I went to Stony Brook University on Long Island. Um, and I studied BME, biomedical engineering. And to my surprise, in my intro to BME class, I learned that engineers are professional problem solvers. And biomedical engineers solve problems in the medical field. And these could be small-scale things like making nanoparticles, really, really small bubbles that held the mRNA that was in our COVID shots that we hopefully all got. Um, and it could scale all the way up to like designing, building, and using medical imaging machines. So I was thrilled because my shot in the dark of choosing BME as a major was not a swing and a miss, it was a home run because I got to learn about all different fields of BME, biomechanics, tissue engineering, genetic engineering, and of course, medical imaging. So I really loved it. Um, but of course, my eye was on the med school prize. I was like, I'm going to be a radiologist. I'm going to use medical imaging. I'm going to be a doctor. That's how I'm going to do it. While I was in college, one of my best friends in the program was also looking to apply to medical school. And she told me, if you want to get into medical school, you have to do research. It just sets you apart on your application. You know, it's a good experience. You need to do it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be a radiologist. I'm going to be a doctor, a medical doctor. So I'll start doing research. So I applied for a summer internship in a research lab and this research lab was located at the university hospital in the Department of Psychiatry. And there they used medical imaging to look at how the brain works in neuropsychiatric diseases like depression compared to how the brain works in quote unquote controls or people without these neuropsychiatric conditions. 
And the medical imaging technology that they used there was called PET, P-E-T. It stands for Positron Emission Tomography. And this is a medical imaging modality that I studied for almost 10 years at this point. Um, so I can talk all day about it if you want me to, but I won't. Um, but basically PET is we use a radioactive molecule to image proteins or functions in the body. So there, at that research uh, internship, I learned about what PET is, how it works. I learned about the neurobiology of depression. Um, and I learned about how we are using PET to better understand the neurobiology of depression. I also learned one super important thing at that lab that changed the course of my career. I had wanted to go to medical school, well, for the same reason everyone wants to become a doctor, to help people, right? That's what they always say. Oh, I want to help people. I did want to help people. I still do want to help people, right? I think, but when you think about it, every job helps people. Not to take away from the importance of medical doctors. Of course, they're very important, but like job, all jobs help people. That's like the point of jobs. Anyway, I digress. I wanted to help people, but I also specifically wanted to be a radiologist so that I could use the medical imaging that I was so fascinated by. But working in this lab, I realized that I don't have to go to medical school and become a radiologist to use medical imaging every day, right? I don't need to go hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt to use medical imaging at my everyday job. And also the key point about helping people, like I said, every job helps people, but think about the amount of people that I could help if I research a disease or a disorder and I find out like what causes depression or like why do some antidepressants work for some people and not for others, right? If I use my research and my science to better understand and answer those questions, I can help people globally. I can help people everywhere. Whereas like doctors, if you're a medical doctor, you're working one-on-one -on -one with patients in like a specific area. Right? You're not helping, oh, that's so harsh. I didn't mean it like that. You are helping people in like, but just in like a different way, right? And for me, I saw it as like, okay, well, I can still help people even if it's not a one-on-one -on -one direct help, right? Direct assistance, I don't know. But yeah, I just realized that like the whole motivation of me wanting to be a doctor was fulfilled by doing research, so I ended up working in that research lab for three years, the rest of my time at Stony Brook. And during that time, I was sort of questioning my desire now to go to medical school. And my advisor, my research advisor, who I was working with in the lab, she encouraged me to apply for my PhD. And specifically, she encouraged me to apply to Yale for my PhD. And I said, LOL, yeah, right. Uh, there's no way I'm getting into Yale. But she had gone there for her PhD, and Yale had an incredible pet imaging center where they were doing tons of cool science using the same technology that I had grown to love in my lab at Stony Brook. So she convinced me, I applied to Yale, and I got accepted to do research in that cool pet imaging research lab. So I decided to go. I started my PhD journey on June 1st, 2016. 
in grad school, I continued learning about PET imaging. It's a very difficult, nuanced medical imaging technology. There's a lot to learn about it that honestly, I still don't fully understand all of it after studying it for almost a decade. Um, but I learned a lot more about PET imaging, but no longer in the specific psychiatry application or the psychiatry view. Instead, I learned about it in a more general uh, neurological application. So I was really just focusing on central nervous system, the brain, and the spinal cord. And I can do, honestly, a whole episode about what I did for my thesis. I really don't want to go on all day about it, um, and I definitely could. Um, but that was just sort of the overall gist, was really focusing on like the brain and the spinal cord using PET imaging. Um, during my PhD. I defended my thesis, my PhD thesis, last June in 2021, so almost a year ago, and I just walked at my PhD graduation last Monday. So it was a long road. Um, it took me five years and 16 days to finish my PhD thesis, um, but I learned so much about my field and I learned so much about myself during that time. So it's definitely a long but worthwhile journey. Since I finished my PhD, I moved back to New York where I've been doing what's called a postdoc. Um, so like more commonly people know maybe when people graduate med school, they go on to a residency. So the residency, it's basically like a period of additional training outside of school. A postdoc is a residency for a PhD. Basically, a couple of additional years of training as we move towards becoming an independent researcher and like opening a lab of our own. So yeah, I'm still doing research and of course I'm still doing pet imaging research, um, but this time I'm looking at a specific clinical application in Alzheimer's disease. So I'm using pet imaging technology um, and my lab focuses on using pet to better understand Alzheimer's and specifically how it progresses. The ultimate goal is to identify ways that we can intervene or stop the progression of Alzheimer's. So that's my resume. <laughs> um, but now like, who am I as a person? Like outside of work, outside of science, what do I do? Science is actually like almost all of my personality, but I do have other things about me that aren't scientific. Um, firstly, foremostly, I'm an avid Yankee fan. I love the New York Yankees more than I love anything else in this world. And if you have a problem with the New York Yankees, you have a problem with me and we're in a fight. Okay. Um, I also really like to cook and bake. Um, my new apartment has a kitchen that's like four times the size of my old one, which honestly isn't saying a lot if you've seen the Manhattan kitchen. Um, but I'm really looking forward to cooking and baking and, you know, I'm not definitely, I'm not the best cook or the best baker, but one day maybe I will be. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, uh, to cooking and baking more now. Um, when I was in grad school, I started taking spin classes and I found that uh, cycling is like the most fun way for me to be active and move my body and work out. So um, I like it so much better than running. Um, so I really enjoy like putting on some good music and going for a ride on my spin bike. Um, what else? 
Oh, my family has a dog named Andy, who I love a lot, but I'm also very allergic to. Um, I love music. I love Harry Styles, but my favorite is probably, my favorite band is probably Bleachers. Um, I also love like Arctic Monkeys and like indie rock music is probably my favorite. Um, but I vibe with most genres besides country. <laughs> um, all right. So that's enough about like my self summary. So let's move on to the questions that I got through Instagram. Um, they are in no particular order and I'm going to give a shout out to everyone who asked the questions. So I appreciate you guys submitting. Um, the first question comes from my friend Rita. She asks, favorite sandwich place in New Haven, order number, and what sauce? There is one answer. So the one answer to this question is Zoe's, number one with extra horseradish. No onion rings. If you know, you know. Thank you, Rita, for that question. <laughs> the next set of questions comes from Heather. <clears throat> Heather asked a bunch of questions, so I'm going to kind of touch on each one of them. So one question Heather asked was academia versus industry. So I'll just sort of summarize what that question means, and then I'll kind of give my insight into it. So academia versus industry really talks about like the settings in which we can do scientific research. So academic research is typically done at a university or some sort of like publicly funded institution like the NIH or the National Institutes of Health. Industry, um, at least in like the BME view that I have, can be like a biotech company or a pharmaceutical company <clears throat> or something like that. There's similarities and differences between doing science at each of these settings in academia or in industry. Um, but I think the biggest difference that I've noticed having only been in academia is that um, academic research is sort of more open-ended. There are like general questions that pose further understanding of a certain topic. Whereas in industry, a lot of times you're going to be researching with a specific endpoint in mind, saying like, we need a drug that does this exact thing, or like, we need a machine that works like this with X efficiency. Um, so it's a lot more endpoint oriented versus academic research, which is more just like open-ended and sort of pushing the field of understanding. Um, that's sort of how I see it. Um, I've never worked in industry, so I only really have the academic standpoint, so I could be totally wrong when it comes to industry research. And if I am, I'm very sorry. Um, but that's just sort of how I look at it. And then for Heather's question, if she's asking my opinion, um, I'm not sure if I have one. <laughs> I have never worked in industry. Um, so I can't say for sure I prefer one over the other. I do eventually want to transition to industry, um, but maybe the grass is always greener, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure. Sorry, that's probably not a good answer to your question. But um, another question Heather asked was, work-life balance in grad school. This is a tricky one. Um, 
I think I had a very unique experience and that I personally feel like I had a really good work-life balance in grad school. Um, I was very fortunate. I had a great advisor who was not always like demanding and didn't expect me to work on the weekends and work late nights and stuff. Um, but of course there were times where I would work on weekends and I would work like 14 hour days, especially if there was like a deadline coming up or, you know, when writing my thesis and preparing for my defense, it was like, wake up, work, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. Um, but most of the time throughout grad school, I was really good about separating my work and my life. And one key way that I did this was like to get involved with clubs on campus, um, clubs that had nothing to do with my research, right? I worked at the Graduate Student Center where I organized events for other grad students to attend. And that sort of forced me in a way to get out of lab and to meet new people that I probably wouldn't have met. And that honestly was one of my favorite parts of grad school. So if you're in grad school right now and you're having trouble with work-life balance, um, I encourage you to get involved in something on campus or like maybe in your town or your city um, that has nothing to do with your lab that like forces you to take your mind off of work um, for a little while. Another question Heather asked was time spent alone versus time with others. I personally am definitely an introvert. I love spending time with my friends, but I'm definitely like at my best self when I'm at home alone. Um, although this COVID quarantine has started making me question that um, because I've never in my life so badly wanted to go out and like talk to strangers. I think once I'm free, I'm going to go to like Walgreens and just initiate conversations with strangers in line just like crazy people do because I desperately need to interact with people. Um, I can't wait. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I'm a mix of both, but definitely leaning towards introvert. The last question Heather asked was, when are you visiting San Francisco and will you have a meetup? Soon, I hope. And yes, absolutely. A meetup with my SF fans, AKA my grad school friends who are in the area. But maybe, maybe I do have people who I don't know in SF who listen to this, in which case, cool. Hi, would love to meet you too. So thanks Heather for those questions. Um, the next question I got is from Mariana and she says, what advice would you give to a younger Sam? This is such a good question. Um, two pieces of advice that I'm still like trying to take myself. I'm, try I'm trying to be better at learning this advice to this day. Um, but one is to be nicer to yourself. And two is to stop caring about things you can't control. Those two things sort of go together for me because I spent a lot of time thinking about and worrying about what other people think of me, which sounds very self-centered and I guess it kind of is, but like I would hold other people's opinions of me that at the end of the day, I can't control other people's opinions of me, but I would hold their opinions of me over my own opinions of me. And then I would beat myself up over things that I said or did because maybe people would think I'm stupid or like whatever. And it's like, who cares? Who cares? I always thought like if someone didn't like me that like my life would be ruined. 
And now I'm starting to learn that like all I should be caring about is what I think of me and like what my parents think of me and my siblings think of me and like the people that I love most in this world, what they think of me and like everybody else can kick rocks respectfully. Um, but yeah, I like, I can't possibly control everyone's opinion of me, you know, what I can control is just being the best person that I can be. So that's what I need to focus. That's what I need to invest my energy on. And I've started to like, you know, put that into practice, but that's what I would definitely tell younger Sam is maybe start that earlier. Be nicer to yourself and stop caring about how other people think of you and only care about what you can control. Good question. Insightful question. So thank you, Mariana, for that question. The next question is from Suya. She said, where do you want to travel to? Right now, as I sit in my apartment for the sixth consecutive day, I want to travel to literally anywhere. I want to travel to the end of my block right now. Um, but no, actually, at the top of my list is Italy. And I know that's such a basic answer, but I don't care if you think I'm basic. I literally just talked about it. I don't care. I can control that. If you think I'm basic, go ahead. I want to go to Italy. Um, I've never been. And my dad's grandparents immigrated to the U.S. from Italy. Um, his maternal grandparents came from Procida in Naples, and his paternal grandparents came from Bari in Puglia. So those are like not the most touristy parts of Italy. From my understanding, Procida is not like... A beautiful place to go but I would love to go see where my ancestors came from um, yeah I'd, I'd really love to go there also my mom's um, ancestors makes it sound like I don't know ancestors is just such a weird word it's a weird concept but anyway my mom's ancestors came from Ireland and I would love to go there too um, just see like all the castles and like the green rolling hills and um, drink Guinness. I don't know. Whatever they do over there, I want to go do it. Um, so yeah, I'd say Ireland and Italy are my top two that I want to go to. Thanks, Suya, for that question. And then the final question is from Amira. She asks, how do you find the time to research these diverse topics? So I'm going to answer this one honestly. Um, I used to spend way too much time on social media. Um, I mean, honestly, I still currently do. But I'm trying to get better at it. Um, but I'd like scroll through Instagram, get bored, scroll through Twitter, get bored, scroll back to Instagram, get bored. And like just a vicious cycle of wasted time. Um, and then like when people ask me, like, what are your hobbies? What do you do in your free time? The honest answer was like, social media. And like, that's just tray, tray, tray sad. Like that's my hobby is social media. And it's not even like I'm creating, I'm literally just like absorbing content from social media. That was my hobby. Um, so basically the way that I find the time to like research all of these topics and like do this podcast is by spending a few less hours on social media each week and then using those few extra hours to work on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I think the podcast has been helping me improve my communication skills and, you know, build my um, communication portfolio and all those things. But also, 
it's a better way for me to answer the question, what do you do in your free time? Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I just try to spend less time on social media and more time working on this. So yeah, thanks for that question, Amira. And that's all of the questions for this week. So thank you again to Rita, Heather, Mariana, Suya, and Amira for your questions. And um, that's all for this week. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at SamSplainingSci. Connect with me there, enable my social media addiction, and ask questions if you'd like. You can also submit your questions at samsplainingscience.com slash ask. So if you have anything you want Sam explain to you, ask away. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I'll talk to you next week. Actually, just like in a few days, I'll talk to you. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs>